Hey, it's G220 Radio, and we are back with episode number 523. Today, we are talking about Proverbs chapter 13. Catch us on the other side. Welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz along with Mike Miller. And tonight we have a guest co-host with us. Tim Tant uh, is with us. And so we're excited to have him. Uh, before we uh, introduce Tim and let him get to know you and you get to know him, Mike, how we doing, brother? Doing pretty good. Was, uh, as you kind of mentioned before the show, feel the same way. Very busy with obligations and learning new skills for work and all these other things and remodeling a basement. So mm. I feel, yeah, we've had sickness and injuries. So that's, um, has put strains on different parts. So yeah, it's yeah. nice to have a break kind of last week and can kind of get everything ready and continue. Yeah, absolutely. And what Mike is referring to is before the show, we were kind of talking about uh, just having busy schedules. Uh, life is busy. It's busy, busy, busy. Uh -huh. And when you're doing ministry, uh, there's so much more busyness and, and family work, all kinds of things come into play and you try to balance that. Sometimes we don't do so good. Sometimes we do better at it. It just it's a, it's a balance throughout life. And um, like I said, sometimes we handle it well, sometimes we don't. But last week we took a break because there's just so much stuff going on. We figured we didn't have a show already planned rather than to throw something last minute. Let's kind of, you know, just take the night off. So we did. But now we're here back, G220 Radio, episode number 523. As I said, with us, we have guest co-host Tim Tant. Uh, Tim and I have been friends online for a while here. Good brother. Uh, and I want him to go ahead and introduce himself to you and tell us a little bit about his testimony, uh, as well as uh, you know what he has that you can go check out online as well. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited to be here. Um, so yeah, my name's Tim. I've got... Um, a ministry called Conversations with, Conversations with Christians, and you can find us on uh, Facebook and YouTube. And it's really an apologetic-driven ministry. And uh, apologetics plays a pretty big part in my testimony. I, I grew up in the church. Um, if you had you had asked me at any point in my life that I believe in Jesus, that I believe in God, and all that stuff, I would have. I, I can't think of a point where I would have ever said yes, or I would have ever said no. <laughs> excuse me, uh, but. When I was about 24 years old, um, I so I was a very lukewarm, lukewarm Christian, uh, but I um, just stumbled upon this channel on YouTube called Ask Cliff, and I, I don't even know how I found it or what kind of rabbit hole I was going down. But uh, in this channel, uh, Cliff he, he uh, interacts with college students on college campuses in an open air style, and I would just plug in headphones and like wash dishes at night and listen to him engage these college students uh, and reason with them, defend the historicity of the Bible, defend the reliability of the Gospels, um, the historicity of the resurrection. And that was the first time that I'd ever heard anything like that. And I did I mean, the, the Holy Spirit just used that. It, it just, it throttled me. I mean, I got, it, it was amazing. Like I said, I'd always believed, but it became so much more real to me through that. It changed my life, and it just set me on this direct trajectory to want to get out and do evangelism, to share the gospel, to live out my faith. And um, so that's kind of the track I've been on over the past several years, five or six years now. And um, 
so that's eventually what led me to start conversations with Christians. So uh, I think apologetics is really important. I think it's been downplayed. Uh, that's my experience. I think that's a, a similar experience to a lot of uh, evangelicals out there. Um, so I'm, I'm really want to get people excited about apologetics to help give them the confidence uh, to go out and pursue evangelism. And my tagline, I guess, that I, that I came up with is I want to encourage Christians to have the confidence to engage in dialogue, to, to speak about their faith just in everyday conversations, to grow as a disciple and to defend the, uh, the historic Christian faith. So that's a little bit about me. Well, amen. And and it is extremely important. Um, as we get out there, we're going to have lots of conversations with people. And sometimes you're not going to have the answers to give yeah. them. You're just the, the, sometimes the best answer is I don't know, but I can mm -hmm. go look that up for you and see if I can get back to you and give you something more substantial. Um, because sometimes we just don't have all the answers. But when you're able to tune in to something, uh, a podcast or a, a YouTube video or something that can help you learn how to defend the faith, learn how to apply apologetics. Uh, what, what's the book from Greg Kokel, the questions one? Mike, oh, ta uh, tactics. 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 Game tactics. plan for, Christ mm -hmm. for discussing yeah. Christian convictions. That's something, book. yeah, something like that can be very beneficial to us as believers to help us um, in our engagements with others. Because again, I said, we're not going to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. I actually came across that uh, Ask Cliff, I think this last year. Um, and it was, I was looking up uh, evangelism on college campuses. Mm. I think I was trying to find something at the time of Emilio Ramos. I was trying to find a video Oh yeah, because um, I know he goes out to college campuses and I was looking something up and I saw this other guy was like, ask Cliff. And he was out there engaging these students. And I'm like, yeah, oh, this guy's pretty, uh, pretty sharp with his, you know, uh, evangelistic interactions with these college students and being someone who likes to go to college campuses. Uh, I think it can be very helpful when you find those kind of videos to help you. And theologically, we may, um, you yeah. may have some differences with people, <laughs> but, um, you can still get the information when, as you talk about the historical, uh, evidences that are out there, those kind of things mm -hmm. can be helpful. Uh, and just sometimes, even if someone's not reformed, you can still learn from yeah. the things that they uh, For sure. are presenting. So absolutely. <clears throat> In other words, Ricky wants you to go and subscribe to GG20 Ministries and watch all the open-air videos that he has. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in it. Yeah, sometimes I put the videos up there just for an encouragement to try to encourage other people to go out and to to when I fail, don't do it like me. Try to you know learn from those mistakes. But anyways, we're getting into Proverbs where we can find wisdom. And we can apply that uh -huh. to our lives. Uh, we've talked about it before as we've gone through Proverbs. I mean, we started this Proverbs series, I don't know how long. What was it, two years ago, Mike? I, I don't yeah, know. Whatever Maybe you came not that long ago. I don't even remember my pastors preached in God through that section. Of <laughs> yeah. Although he but should we started, be coming up to Proverbs 13 sometime soon. Yeah. We, we started going through Proverbs, and we, we kind of moved through the first couple of them pretty quickly. Um, Nathaniel was still with us, a part of the show. Now he's a friend of the mm -hmm. show. So he comes on every once in a while, but we were kind of working through Proverbs we, we finished our G220 or not G220, our 1689 series. Uh, we've had some other series that we started and then finished. And Proverbs is one of those that we've kind of got on the side where we're slowly working our way through. And here we are at chapter 13. And so, uh, Tim's with us tonight. We're going to kind of go through this together. We're going to talk about this, try to, uh, expound upon what is here in the text so that we can learn these principles. As we've said it before, now there's principles in Proverbs. It's a book of wisdom. 
And there's principles in here. It doesn't necessarily mean that everything is a guarantee. Uh, as we talked about, train up a child in the way that he, sh that, that, uh, he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart. Doesn't mean it's a promise that your kids will always turn out as Christians or go the right way, but it gives you the principles. And there is value in these principles. And so we want to try to look at this chapter here today and examine it, talk about it, and uh, hopefully it'll be beneficial to you, uh, the listener. Mike, why don't you go ahead and break it up in sections that you want to start with and just read it, read a portion of it, and then we'll... Let's just go. I'll just use, for the sake of ease, um, Dr. Garrett's... So I say Dr. Garrett because I took classes with them, but Dwayne Garrett's commentary of Proverbs Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. It's from the New American Commentary series. It is an excellent series or an excellent commentary. I had, as I just mentioned, I had Dr. Garrett for a class. Um, and it was very insightful. But he breaks up, so we'll just look here at the first four verses um, to kind of start it off. And so reading out of the ESV, it says, A wise son hears his father's instruction. But a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. For the fruit of a man eats what is good, but the desire of the Tetris is for violence. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life, and whoever opens wide his lips comes to ruin. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, and the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Mm. And kind of to think through this, and this is, again, kind of how this comes together Garrett uses that's the use of the mouth this is what kind of mm. strings this all together to help us understanding and obviously the Bible has lots to say about our words our use of mouth I mean this is a big part of James especially when you get into chapter three about the dangers of the mouth and who can't control the mouth mm -hmm. Jesus talks about the mouth it's out of the the fruit of the it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so we get to Proverbs. And we kind of even think about the later revelation. The Proverbs has lots to say about our words and words that we hear, how we react to them, what we say. All of that kind of now plays in a part as we start this. Um, chapter 13 and thinking about the importance of our words and mm -hmm. wisdom and in, in folly. Yeah. Tim, you want to jump in there? Uh, yeah. I was just thinking of <laughs> some practical examples for myself, or I'm just kind of soaking it in and thinking about, wow, it, it is so important. I think when we think of words as a Christian, one of the things that comes up so much is like questions like, should a Christian cuss? And that's a legitimate, like there's a discussion to be had there on that, you know, but the words, words are so powerful. And, and that is just reaffirmed in the first four verses in this. What did you call it, Mike? The words section? The words? Is that what? Yeah, he has it as the use of the mouth. Use, oh, use of the of mouth. The yeah. language words um, kind of having that, uh, that idea. But, you know, we come up as kids and we hear phrases like sticks and stones may break my bones and words will mm. never hurt me. But there is real power in words, in the things that we say and how it uh, impacts other people and influences other people and 
impacts your your personal witness, you know, uh, how other people regard you uh, as a Christian and your and your walk. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think we can downplay the the significance of words, and this whole section here is a significant reminder of the the real impact that words can have, either coming out of our mouths or what we do with words that come from someone else. Yeah. And I, I think when you said there, uh, you know, sticks and stones may break our bones, but names will never hurt us. Um, it is so true how words can really impact. Mm-hmm. You think about uh, a child who's abused verbally growing up and how it affects them. Mm-hmm. And they live out in that experience. And again, um, God can change those experiences that people have, but they live out in that experiences um, believing whatever that abusive person was putting that, putting them down with. Um, other things is when, when you mentioned about the curse words, right. And, and that's another discussion we can have for another time. Yeah. But I know that when my first instinct, when I hear people curse that claim to be Christians is like a red flag comes up. Like, I don't know if this person's saved. Now I know I have to step back a little bit and be gracious and say, okay, maybe they could be a brand new Christian. Maybe that's not something that, um, they've mastered yet, or maybe it's something they don't even recognize or realize is sin. If it is sin again, that's a conversation we can have, Mm -hmm. but that's one of my reactions when I hear people that are Christians and then they're saying curse words, um, or even thinking of myself and the way that I may not curse, I used to, I was in the army and that's a lot of language that was uh-huh. used on a regular basis. And I used to curse all the time yeah. when I got saved. That was one of the things that was kind of like just gone for me that I didn't even recognize it was gone. It was just gone. So when I hear it, when I'm at work and I hear guys talking like locker room kind of talk, using obscene language, curse words, it hurts my ears. It just makes me, <laughs> it, it makes me cringe a bit, but I know that I can still do that to other people not maybe with curse words, but other ways in which I relate to people or I Mm -hmm. say things or when I get frustrated and I say something in a certain way that it's meant to like really jab at the person. And so the Proverbs here is really giving this us this uh, look into ourselves, these principles here, these practices that we can take and say, look, are we like a child who's teachable, uh, who's, you know, able to be corrected? When we're saying certain things or speaking in certain ways, or are we one who um, scoffs at rebuke, scoffs at correction? You know, and that's kind of where you see the comparison constantly in Proverbs. Here's something good. Here's something bad. Here's something Uh good. Here's something bad. Yeah. So I I had very similar experience. I was in the army too. And I remember when I made the decision to stop cussing. the, the use of your words, like if you were, if you were, you know, feeling convicted and you're, man, I, I just, how can I live out my faith more? You're going to have an opportunity either to restrain your words or put forth more edifying words every single day, you know? Uh-huh. It, so that's just something that's, that's, I don't want to say it's easy to do, but there are lots of opportunities either to restrain yourself or to put forth more wisdom via your words. It's a tool that everybody's got. Everybody has opportunities. Um, and so it's a, it's a good thing to, to start acting on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've kind of focused on more on speaking Mm -hmm. words, but how much does this apply to the online setting? 
the Twitter arguments, mm, yeah. <laughs> arguments on Facebook. Yeah. And I mean, I tend to just not comment a lot on Facebook now. That's just my default. Um, but there's times I was being very uh, contentious in mm. in one in Facebook and how all that does. And I think so we have to even think about obviously this is not this is an application that we can pull now um, in it. Obviously, Solomon has no idea what Facebook is <laughs> at the time he's writing this. But just that idea, thinking about our words, mm-hmm. thinking about how we use them, whether it's verbal or written. And even, and we've talked a little bit of this on Tongue Waggers, when George and I did Tongue Waggers, about the nuances of what a word does. Words have connotations. How you say something and the words you say bring about bring apart something. So even having an understanding of words on how they work, how they are thought of with it. And to, to think about these things, again, this is what the Christian life is. It's thinking deeply about these mm. things and conforming these ideas to what now does the Bible say? Because we see not only how we receive words, are we as teachable as Ricky was saying, but what we say can either bring good things, bring restoration, bring peace, maybe calamity to encourage someone, or we're doing it for violence. We're doing it to attack. Maybe not physically. We're not, maybe that's not the intention, though it could get there. But we're saying things to be spiteful, to be hurtful. And that's not becoming of a Christian. Mm. The peacemaker is the one who will see heaven. And again, this kind of goes all around about our language. And as um, Ricky showed the comment, you know, you think of now the third commandment and the words we use talking about God. How do we refer to him? Are we flippant mm. in who he is and his names? I mean, the obvious of OMG or using Jesus's name as kind of an expression of anger. That's one thing. And that's obvious. That is obviously forbidden in the third commandment. But a neglect of. Um or abuse of God's attributes or names that mischaracterizes him also falls in that. Again, it's our how our words react. And so when we think about our words, if we guard our lips and think about them, we have life. We don't get people angry at us. But it's the one who speaks rashly, who doesn't care, who's flippant in vows and flippant in other things, who comes to ruins. He says things... Maybe he means them. Maybe it's rash, but it brings destruction. So you see here in our words, and Proverbs has this in other places, that words, kind words bring life, but harsh words bring death. Hmm. Hmm. And this is the play that you kind of see throughout of Proverbs, not just here in the first four verses. Yeah. Well, well, Scott brought up um, Ephesians 4.29. It's interesting because I actually pulled that up 
because I was going to go to this as well, um, where it says, uh, and he brought it up in the New King James, says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for ne- necessary edification, and that it may impart grace to the hearers. And Mike went, and this, I was pulling this up because when you was talking about social media, I was thinking, man, like I'm, I'm guilty at times on social media when you're having a discussion back and forth and it's not going the way you want it to go or you get frustrated in the conversation and throw so you throw out a zinger at somebody you know mm-hmm. um i've even done it in evangelism in the past where you're you're out there open air preaching or you're engaging and somebody's coming by and they're constantly constantly going at you and you throw a zinger at them and again what does it benefit what does it profit right um and so some of that comes with you learn over time, over your, your mistakes, you learn from being convicted uh, of your sin uh, and maturity comes in, in, in your walk. And so you try to learn, how can I be more gracious in my speech, whether it be on in, in person communication or online communication and online, it gets so lost because one, you're dealing with people get lost in the tone. They don't know how to d- uh, perceive the tone. You could be writing something and not being uh, offensive or trying to be mean, but it's perceived that way by somebody that reads it. But still, it's very easy when you're not face to face with somebody to be very critical, to be very quick, to s- not slow to speak, but fast to return a response. Yeah. And I think, again, kind of with, um, just maybe our poor use of understanding of language. I talked about this in a book club at work once. And this wasn't in my example. This is just the one I have. There's a difference in saying what's wrong with you. And Hey, are you okay? Hmm. Now it's because of how we use those terms, how we use that kind of syntax. And I think this plays more importance in written, even though, because in verbal, when we talk, we have tone, like you can, you kind of yeah. understand the meaning mm-hmm. based on it. You lose that with written communication. So now that's becomes even more important, knowing what words to choose and how to word it to bring up, to br- try to convey the emotion you want to convey now it can still be interpreted wrong because you're missing kind of this important element with it with the communication style of written um i don't remember if this i think we did talk about this you know like tongue waggers i don't know if it was one of the episodes that were lost um but you just we need to think better about our words now god speaks god uses words and he uses them appropriately and right in the Bible. We see how it works out. We should also take the time to use our words better and more wisely. Mm-hmm. I think, and this is kind of that summary of using our words and knowing when to speak and not to speak. And again, that's wisdom. And to think about it, listening to corrections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we have verse four where it says the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So it doesn't mention words or mouth uh, that in, in this verse, but I think verse four really brings it back to the individual responsibility that we have just an overall individual responsibility. And, uh, 
our words are a tool. Uh, it's, it's a, our ability to communicate is a grace from God. And we have a response, an individual responsibility to use that and use it wisely and to use it for God's glory. So it can kind of sound like a cliche sometimes, but when I'm engaging on Facebook or anybody's engaging on Facebook or with conversations or with your wife or, or whoever, you know, can you look back and say, you know, did I, did I bring glory to God? Did I bring glory to God? Um, by the way, I talked about that or, or mm-hmm. you know, could I have rephrased it kind of like you were just talking about, like you're saying, what's wrong with you? You know, could, could there have been a, a better way for me to have exercised that tool that I've been given? Um, that is my words. Yeah. Mike, you want to move into the next section here? Um, yeah, we'll do five through 11. Okay. So the righteousness <clears throat> hates falsehood. But the wicked bring shame and disgrace. Righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but sin overthrows the wicked. One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, has great wealth. The ransom of a man's wealth is his the ransom the ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but a poor man hears no threat. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. By insolence comes nothing but strife. But with those who take advice is wisdom. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So (laughs) seven and eight stand out to me uh, big time in this past in this in this portion. Uh When I read seven uh, to me, it's like, oh. This sounds like something I've heard Dave Ramsey say on the radio, um, but where it says one pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor and yet has great wealth. The ransom of a man's life is not his wealth, but a poor man hears no threat. Um, eight, I think it's all profound, but it, it just really strikes me. And the ransom of a man's life is his wealth. And I think what this verse is saying here is that, to a, to a wealthy person in this example, or I think of like the rich young ruler, uh, that's he's his life is going to go the way of his wealth. Like he will follow his wealth, even if it means not following Christ, because he's going to be following his wealth. That that wealth, the wealth is his ransom. The wealth has him by the collar, and it's going to drag him. And he he's not he's not subjugating his personal wealth. His wealth has he's been subjugated by his wealth. But a poor man, especially someone who pretends to be poor, like in verse seven, is master over that. Uh, he is a slave to Christ and not the wealth. Yeah, and and as you, you talk here in in verse eight, um, the ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but a poor man hears no threat. So mm-hmm. you figure if somebody wealthy is kidnapped and there's a ransom put out there, they're trying to do everything to save this uh-huh. man's life, where a poor man's like. <laughs> I don't have anything to give you. So, you know, or nothing to steal, nothing to steal. Like even that, like, why would I, you know, you think about hackers. Why do the hackers go for the big businesses? Why did they shut down an entire oil oil line? Hmm. Well, there's money to be had there. You know, you, you think about riches and what it does when someone is, consumed by the riches that they have. Yeah. And 
I mean, the wealthy gain hastily will dwindle, and whoever gathers little by little will increase it. You see this idea of stewardship. The the um per, the person who pretends to be poor has stewardship over his money. He mm -hmm. gains wealth. He's he's looking at it. He may you kind of kind of think of the parable of the talents, um, and and what they do and being stewards of what they're given, and it grows and it continues to manifest itself. And so when you kind of seven through 11, I think all is again, dealing with kind of the riches is that the foolish ones are the ones who pretend to be rich. Hmm. They don't kind of understand the, like you said, the prison that riches can put you in. Especially if you have lots of money, you're always concerned about not mm -hmm. losing it. That's mm -hmm. what makes the short sale of GameStop last year a big deal because all these people lost a whole bunch of money. And you're, people are always trying to, if you're trying to keep what you have. So it comes down to, to mindset and stewardship. Is it my money or is this a gift given to me by God? And how does that now impact how I do it? Do I try to pretend to be rich and I go to rent a center and I get something so I can lease to own it and pay more so that I have the biggest TV or a nicer couch? Or do I steward my money properly? Do I get something maybe not as new because it's cheaper mm -hmm. and works just as good? Do I always have to have the best or the brightest or can I not do it? I mean, the cheapest when you get into like computers and electronics, when a new version comes out, the version before it may not have all the bills and whistles, but it is usually just as good and a lot cheaper. There is these thinking through it. And so thinking about our wealth and how that works out um, plays an important part. Again, this is something Proverbs has repeatedly kind of gone over when we think about it. Again, it's just deeply thinking about the gifts God has given to us. And I think about this in that sense of now that I'm older, 45 years old, uh, mature than I was when I was young. But when I was young, like I remember when I first got in the military and I had my first <laughs> duty station at Fort Lewis, I went and bought me a, a brand new Chevy Malibu. And like my payment at the time was like over 300 some dollars. And I'm like, that ain't nothing right now. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to pay that kind of money for something. <laughs> and and the majority of everything in my office is furnished by Facebook Marketplace. You know, people giving something away for free or barely, uh, you know, you get it for a very inexpensive price. And you just like, I think about these things now that the, mm. the practical wisdom here is like, why when you're young, do you think you have to cons uh, consolidate mm -hmm. all these things that are, are, are very expensive? And then you're constantly paying. Like you mentioned, Renaissance. I'm like, is Renaissance even still a thing? Like, are they still around? Oh, I'm but because sure. 
because <laughs> like in some form. Yeah. Cause like, that's, that's a crazy way of doing things. And so when you look at it as a Christian and you say, okay, there's practical wisdom here, even if you're not a Christian, there's practical wisdom here yeah, for yeah, you. That's going to yeah. be helpful to you in life. And, um, if you just don't have the money, don't spend it. Right. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking of examples when I was in the army too. The example I thought of was same thing. You got really young guys that go in at 18 and you know what says, uh, what it's talking about one pretends to be rich here yet has nothing. What a lot of these guys do is they either buy a brand new car off the lot, which that they shouldn't, which I, I did that same thing too. Can't believe I, I did too. <laughs> okay. We're all in the same boat on that one. Um, 2006 Chevy Cobalt. Nice. Yep, base nice. model. Um, and mine was just a Honda Accord. So I, I, I think I, I pretend to think I had some wisdom and like, Hey, at least I got a reliable vehicle, but some, some, so that's what sometimes, you know, these guys buy new things off a lot or they'll buy a used vehicle, some really nice model European car that has really high mileage, but it looks cool, but yet it's really a money pit, but it's just because it's that perception. I want to perceive, I want to be perceived like I have a certain status or that I've hit some certain level of success, success. And yet the reality is like it talks about in Proverbs, you've got nothing, you know, you've got nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And to go back into verses five and six and, and to think about it here, we have, two um sayings of the righteous and the wicked and the the righteous hates falsehood and the wicked brings shame and disgrace righteousness guards him whose way is blameless but sin overthrows the wicked and kind of thinking about that just in our culture mm -hmm. and you know, the the increase of quote unquote false news uh, and fake news and the censorship. And thinking about these these things, the righteous hates falsehood. Which makes sense. Mm -hmm. God is righteous and he's true. Mm hmm. There is no deceit in him. He is not man that he can lie. And I think this makes it hard, especially we didn't quite get, it was a topic we wanted to talk about in tongue waggers, but like just deep fakes and how people can manipulate audio quotes to make it sound like someone else and release them. There's a, the, in the world we can at least on the internet fake things mm -hmm. and i think this brings kind of a new temptation for us because we are to honor truth we serve a god who is true and yet even as we watch our culture i'm thinking about this our kind of our righteousness, our living, our in our public lives and in private lives, guard us. I think Peter picks this up. One who suffers for doing good is honored, 
But if you suffer for doing bad, well, you get what you deserve. Kind of in his paraphrased Mike Miller language. I think it, to thinking about that, even with how we deal with our money or even our words kind of smashed in here is this call to be righteous, to love truth, to seek for truth. And I mean, there's a lot that can be even ex, ex pulled out and thought about kind of in these two short verses. Yeah. So when it says righteousness guards him, who's, way is blameless. It makes me think of the biblical standard of being beyond reproach. Uh -huh. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, this is not a political parallel I'm trying to draw here, but, uh, Mike Pence, I'm not talking about his politics. So if you're watching this and you don't like his politics, I, just try to try to see through that. Um, I really admire Mike Pence, some of those personal decisions that he made and he caught a lot of flack about it from some groups, from some secular groups. Uh, that he has set personal boundaries for himself um, so that he would remain beyond reproach so that he couldn't be, he wouldn't be in a situation, number one, where he would be tempted by something or that he would even be open himself up to a potential, you know, an accusation to be, mm -hmm. to, to do something. And I really admire that. And I, and I kind of think of um, that as, as the righteousness, like the desire to be righteous and to be seen as righteous and not at a, self-righteous kind of way but you know as it ought to be uh as kind of that guard and because of that guard his way is blameless you know as a, as a just a, a general example but i think you know and trying to live um a, a lie a, a good life and as good as we can live it uh we have that that desire to be righteousness that serves us well and keeps us beyond reproach yeah i think they call that the the Billy Graham rule, right? Where uh -huh. he had this set up where he would never uh, be alone okay. with yeah, um, yeah, yeah. another another woman other than his wife. Um, that was even something I had to implement in evangelism cool. because um, I have there was an older lady um, that would do some evangelism with us, and you know we may be by ourselves, and I'm like, you know, even though she's older, she's mm. like a, a family member to me. We're, we're close in that that way, but I'm like, I still want to put these things in place. Because as you said, you want to guard against the appearance mm -hmm. of something and somebody coming back and just throwing allegations out against you that may not be true. And then now you have to deal with, with this. I remember one time I was downtown in Elyria handing out, I don't use money um, gospel tracks anymore mm -hmm. just because it's just my own preference. If you do, that's fine. But I don't like to use them. Um, but I was down there and I had a stack full of them and I was handing them out. And I didn't think about it, but this lady came up to my car and she was a prostitute from down in the area. She seen me with all that money, but it wasn't real money. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm thinking, this is a bad look. If somebody comes, <laughs> you know, thinking yeah. that this is what I'm down here for, you know? And so all that to say, yeah, you definitely want to avoid abstain from those things that uh, can be perceived a certain way. And social media, as we talked about that, it can be very difficult with that too, because like, there's a lot of, I don't want to say people are, are all automatically being insincere or not genuine, mm -hmm. but no, people's not waking up and putting up the bad hair pictures. You know, they, they're out and they're having a good time. They put those pictures up. And when people are posting things, they do post about things that are exciting or fun in their life. They're not necessarily posting about how they struggled that day or, 
you know, so there's this kind of idea that's seen in people that, oh, they just have everything perfect. Everything works out for them, you know. Um, but. All right. So, yeah, I was thinking about this. So there's this idea of the falsehood, but also when I kind of, again, thinking about it in light of the commandments now we've mentioned here in case you know i don't i think proverbs is an extension of wisdom with the foundation of it being on god's law so there is a connection between what god's law is and and in in obeying the principles of proverbs we obey god's law there was that and when we think about the ninth commandment, so the ninth commandment is you should not be a false witness against your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Baptist catechism time. Question 82. What is required in the ninth commandment? The ninth commandment requires the maintaining and promoting of truth between man and man and our own and our neighbor's good name, especially in witness bearing. And so it's forbidden is whatsoever the prudential to truth or injurious to our own our own neighbor's good name and when we kind of think about the, the that idea again it kind of relates to our words what are we saying ab about other people is it true are we slandering people mm -hmm. There is so there is an element in which righteousness plays a part with, as we mentioned, kind of starting the show with our words about truth. It's not only what we hear and trying to know the truth and to get to the bottom of it, but what are we saying about others? Now, we may say things that are correct and and to know to to truth. But how do we do this? Just to use kind of jokingly before the show, but I'm going to use it anyways. We think about what's happening with MacArthur right now. Now, I'm mm -hmm. not going to rehash or do anything, but there's people who on MacArthur's side would say there's he's being slandered. Mm -hmm. We should really consider to do the truth. Is this really slandered or is she, in this case, the person who's releasing these articles, is she telling the truth mm -hmm. or is she doing it to give MacArthur a bad name? Now, these are things we should think about. This is why like discernment blogging is a terrible idea. I understand being zealous for the truth. We're zealous for the truth here at G220 radio. But I've seen so often that discernment bloggers move away from finding truth to slander, mm. to, to being injurious to a person's good name. Now, there's one thing when someone's convicted as murder and it's known and it's out there. It's kind of an extreme example. Or even one who likes to – someone who likes to slander – and to be upfront and to say it and people kind of know it. 
but it's another way to still honor the person. You know, there's a way to honor them in there, but it's another one just to attack and to bring them down. Again, I think this is playing with this idea of truth and being righteous. Are we the people who gossip about others or do we try to, in one sense, give the benefit of the doubt to the person until the truth is coming out, kind of what our law system is supposed to do? You're innocent until you're proven guilty. Are these the ways that we are thinking? And gossip is a very, very sneaky sin, mm. right? Mm. Because you can look at murder, you can look at lying, you can look at adultery, fornication, and say, oh, these things are wrong. And the person calling those things out is right to do that. But then they can't recognize their own gossip. And sometimes, if we're honest, we get caught in gossip. We're not starting yeah. something, but somebody comes up and says, Hey, did you hear about? Yeah. And, and then, you know, before you know it, you're in the middle of gossiping about someone else. And so it's a very sneaky sin. Yeah. And you can convince yourself too, like fornication, things like that. There's a pretty, pretty solid line there. Like, you know what you should and should not do. Mm-hmm. Gossip. You, there's a line too. You should and should not. You know, there are things you should talk about and things you shouldn't. But you can convince yourself, like, oh, I need to talk about this with this person because you know, or maybe in hindsight, you convince yourself that you really did need to. So you need to be careful. Like that's a great example you brought up with going on with MacArthur right now. You know, it, am I going to engage with this article and this story? Uh, do I really need to? Uh, do I, you know, should I do that? But gossip, you you can, you know, with our own sinful nature, it, it's easy for me to blur the lines of for my for my sinful intent of what's gossip and what's actually, you know, an edifying discussion. Yeah, this is a totally edifying discussion, by the way. <laughs> All right, so Mike, yeah. do you have anything else you want to say with about that, or do you want to kind of move on to a next section and see if we can get a little more? We go to the next one more thing. One more thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go for it. (laughs) Verse 12 was one that I really kind of hooked on when I was reading this earlier today. So verse 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So I really had to kind of dwell on that one for a second and and think about what what does this really mean? And I I thought of evangelism. So when it says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So if I'm understanding this correctly, it's it's something missed out on or uh, uh, an expectation that wasn't fulfilled. Cause we see in this mm-hmm. in, the, mm-hmm. in the second half, it says, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Yeah. You know, when I, uh, I've, I've done a little bit of open air preaching and I remember the first time in when I, that I went out, had my expectation be, it was a black Friday. I went to outside of a GameStop. I was like, there's going to be people there. I'm going to go for five minutes and I'm going to share the gospel and I'm going to get out of there. <laughs> and that's what I did. But my, but my expectation was not, oh, I'm going to get there. I'm going to share the gospel for five minutes. The whole crowd's going to fall on their knees in repentance, and it's going to be amazing. But my expectation really was, because obviously how disappointed would, have I, would I have been? How hurt would I have been in that situation? But really my expectation mm-hmm. was, was much more uh, realistic in the sense that I said, and this is all my evangelism and things, is that I'm going to go there. I'm going to share the gospel faithfully. And God's going to be glorified, and I'm going to rest in that. And and that's that is my 
reasonable i don't like the phrase reasonable expectation but if you can kind of pick up what i'm trying to say here about this passage but that is like that is the expectation i said i'm going to glorify god and if somebody doesn't respond to the gospel it's not my responsibility i take refuge Mm -hmm. in christ and his his sovereign grace and he and and the things that he knows Mm -hmm. and so that's where my peace comes from Yeah. I'm going to read 12 through 19 because I think this is a. Oh, wait, a, that was. Together. We hadn't gotten to 12. No, yet. that's oh, good. He hasn't got to 12, that but that's okay. Because <laughs> I, I got a lot soon. to say about it. That's fine. So, as you mentioned, a hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Good sense wins favor, but the one of treachery is their ruin. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool flaunts his folly. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful envoy brings healing. Poverty and disgrace comes upon him who ignores instruction. Whoever heeds reproof is honored. A desire fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but to turn away from evil is an abomination to fools. Mm. So... This is how I think this passage is structured. Verses 12 and 19 bookend the passage about desires. Mm. So what are our desires? I think this is both spiritual and physical, what, what we are. What are our desires kind of in life, both as we live this life, but also our spiritual desires? And then that is when you step into 13 and 18, this really centers on, I think, how do we kind of within our desires consider the word of God? What is our attitude towards the word of God? And then you have two couplets together, 14 and 15, 16 and 17. And these are kind of like the application of this and kind of working with how does that kind of work out in our desires? What, um, trying to remember what I used here to describe this kind of our knowledge of the word in verses in 15 kind of with it. And then how does that produce our context contact conduct in 16 and 17? And so I think there is not to preach an entire sermon on this, that would be 30 minutes long. Um, well, we can share well, that on the G220 <laughs> radio page. <laughs> um, it was supposed to be 15. <laughs> There's a lot here. Um, that, as you kind of, you know, mention, so I think desires and hope are related. They're different words in Hebrews, but they're related to the same point. And really what I, when we consider this, what is the desires fulfilled and what are the hopes deferred? Where do those actually come down to? And I think it's kind of when you see in verse 13 and move on is how do we, what is our attitude towards the word of God? Do we have the fear of the Lord or do we despise it? even show apathy. It just doesn't matter to us. And this is what boils down to having desires or hopes deferred, which kind of 
in one sense is something that kills us kind of this idea of depression. You're not wanting to live life. No one wants that. So how do we avoid that? Because desire is a tree of life. If we think of just the imagery of the tree of life, tree of life is only mentioned in three books in the entire Bible, Genesis, Proverbs, and Revelation. There's the only books that it's mentioned in. And the tree of life is that it, it symbolizes life and it symbolizes life with God. So when we consider the desires that are fulfilled as a tree of life, there's this rejuvenating action in our life. And so I think when we consider all of this and how we think about wisdom and prudent really de is determined on how do we, what our attitude towards the word of God, are we ones who ignore instruction or do we heed the reproof of the word? And that comes down kind of the moral sense, which I think is in verse 19 that brings out moral understanding that the, the sweet to the soul, the desires of God that brings kind of the sweetness. I mean, even how the word is described, but the fools turn, don't turn away from their sins and ultimately their hopes deferred. They never kind of get what they want in this life. So in verse 19, with the uh, desire fulfilled is a sweet to the soul, but to turn away from evil is an abomination to fools. So is that talking about if I turn away from evil and, some, and, and someone witnesses me do that, then they, they perceive that as, like they perceive me as doing an abomination? I think it's, no, it's, it's the one who's turning away, the one who would not turn away from evil well yeah mm -hmm. so like um so the idea of turning away from evil is an abomination to to the one fools yeah the fool gotcha okay so they don't yeah. they don't want to turn away from evil that's kind of the idea so it makes me think of romans who, romans one where you know yeah. they suppress the truth in their unrighteousness mm -hmm. because they love their sin they don't want to turn from that to the one who can save them yeah you know? And so I think that that plays then into our, what do we desire kind of in this life? Is it rooted in the word of God? And we can see that in the teaching of the wise to turn away from our death. Good sense, kind of this wisdom wins favor, hmm. but it, it's the way the treacherous to the, <clears throat> the ones that don't have good sense. They do what they they kind of turn away from wisdom. They bring about their own ruined. Again, kind of, I think the goods and the the bads are kind of obviously related mm -hmm. to Christian. The prudent man acts with knowledge. Kind of this idea that we first talked about even just um, with words, but how he acts, what he does. There's the prudent man acts in a way that's, wise wisdom he speaks when he speaks he does when he's supposed to and he does that way but this kind of idea this fool flaunts his folly i mean i don't mm. you know fools don't probably think of it that way sure <laughs> but obviously they may even be proud of the stupid things they've done like the car buying the cars that we shouldn't have that yeah. we were talking about earlier you know it 
oftentimes I, I I bought a car to flaunt it, you know, partly, uh-huh. and that was a folly, and I'm flaunting it, <laughs> or was flaunting it. Yeah, or just the you can see there do there's ever things. I think, and that's where this this connection already rooted in the word, in the truth. Have we aligned our desires to what God has called us to do? And that is what kind of brings about the proper conduct here. Like in the wicked messenger falls in trouble, but a faithful envoy brings healing. You, you see this kind of almost imagine two people trying to um, ambassadors of some sort um, going and one um, doesn't give the proper message. doesn't say what the person who sent him wants to say. He's going to fall in trouble. He's going to make matters worse. Mm-hmm. Where the, the faithful one comes, he brings healing. He, he brings people together. You see that kind of, again, that peacemaking idea. Um, there, I mean, there's so much here yeah, that a I, lot I there. To, to discuss, but just kind of thinking through really just kind of that our hopes and desires of our lives ultimately come down to on how we think and how we revere the Bible. Cause the one who despises the word brings destruction on himself, mm-hmm. but it's he who reveres the commandments that will be rewarded. Those who trust God's word will be saved. They will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. They will they will trust the promises God has given. We're teaching our daughter this. Why did Adam and Eve sin? Because they didn't trust God. They didn't believe what God had said. Mm-hmm. It brought death and destruction. They despised God's word. And we saw, as Adam being our representative, the sinfulness of mankind. But Jesus Christ is one who revered the commandments who who trusted the promise lived sinfully and now we find our salvation in him and him alone amen mike you should preach it <laughs> yeah i would love to hear that that full sermon <laughs> um if there's anything you want to add to that tim uh we'll do that and if not then maybe we can go a little bit longer if that's okay with you guys and just close out these last remaining verses uh 20 through 25 Yeah, let's do it. Let's grab the last section. All right. Go ahead. You want to read those, Mike? Yeah. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the compilation of fools will suffer harm. Disaster promised sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. Or sorry, disaster pursues sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. The follow ground of the poor yield much fruit, but is swept away through injustice. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves is diligent to discipline him. The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked wicked suffers want. You know, it really stands out to me in that um, I'm just drawn to 22, where it speaks about a good man leaves inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. 
And I know it, the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous, but I think there's more to this inheritance that's being left to his children's children than just financial. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's wisdom. When, when you can in, impart wisdom to your children and to your grandchildren, that is going to carry far more weight than a financial. Because you, you see sometimes you, you have these individuals who leave their, their children a, a large inheritance and it's blown. I've seen this with even within my own family, um, where um, my grandfather died and my grandma received a large amount of money because it was ne negligence in in the uh, med medicine uh, pharmaceutical company, and that money kind of I saw it really destroy people, mm. and it was gone like that, you know, split apart between the daughter, the the family members, and it just gone, and. So inheritance, it, that's not something that's lasting, but wisdom that you impart to your children and to their children and to their children, that's lasting, especially godly wisdom. I think yeah. that's, sorry. I, was, I agree. Yeah. When, when I read inheritance, my mind immediately thinks like financial inheritance, but there's so much more that we leave uh, for our descendants that our fathers before us leave for us that's so much more than just financial it's that wisdom it's values it's biblical principles and things like that mm -hmm. and from a secular perspective um especially a secular perspective you know i don't want to say that but i think if you're not yeah go ahead go ahead yeah so i think it's both i think 22 and 24 work together mm -hmm. so maybe what i would say again this is kind of reading a little bit through um dr garrett's commentary is that 22 is probably mostly focused on the physical inheritance of one who is diligent to make sure his children and his children's children are taken care of in in one sense it doesn't necessarily have to be like giving them large sums of money but that there's this inheritance there that they're able to continue to have and to grow in one sense kind of a stewardship of that but that in verse and then in verse 24 is now kind of that moral inheritance mm. training them up disciplining them um and teaching them how to live in god's world kind of the fulfillment of deuteronomy 6 so that as a parent i should be not only looking for my children's future but my children's children's future here on earth but also that they that i raise them up in the fear and admiration of the lord and that they, they would raise their children also up in the fear and admiration of the lord and to to think about how that works in a um kind of generational because mm -hmm. it's very true that one generation will will emphasize the gospel the second will take it for granted and the third loses it so how do i as a parent teach my kids the truths of the gospel the the moral outworkings that the gospel brings in a life what god has called us to do and that god lovingly disciplines me so in that sense i'm acting as god was as god kind of keeps the church going through the spirit and teaching them. And so, yeah, I think both of these 
we see here this kind of material and then spiritual material and kind of 22, 23 and spiritual and kind of 24 and 25. Yeah, it is in 22. It's also, you know, it, it describing um, a wealth that can be removed is what the second half mm -hmm. of, of 22 mm -hmm. is, is talking about. Do you do you draw any parallels there um, when uh, it, it talks about in Exodus visiting the inequities of the father uh, to the second, and third generations? Yeah, you know, um, would that be, would we say that that is uh, the, visiting that iniquity in, in a sense could be that inheritance that's removed. That's that the, the line does not enjoy um, that, that, that physical inheritance that we're talking about in 20 and 22. Do you think we could draw, is there a parallel there? I think there is um, in light of kind of the covenant setup that, mm -hmm. Israel's obedience is determined on whether they maintain in the promised land or not. Um, though it is a covenant built on grace. I'm going to, I'm going to say here, this is why I'm not Presbyterian. Um, <laughs> the Mosaic covenant is a covenant of work. Um, yes. In it. And so, but I do think even in that idea is that the sin of the father affects the sin of his children who affects the sin of his children, who affects the sin of his children. Mm. And, you know, obviously God can break that cycle and, mm -hmm. and saving, but sin, I think sin has long, we don't often think about this, but sin does have long-term consequences. Sure. And God, there's a sense of disobedience of a family member leads to further disobedience in later generations. And so the iniquities are kind of compounded generation after generation after generation. So I do think there is a kind of a parallel here, which is why when we think about that in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, where he says those things and elsewhere, the importance of Deuteronomy six to tramp the child to, to be ones who, train up the child in the scripture, you know, when you wake up, when you lie down, being on, you know, the doorpost is kind of just life saturated with biblical teaching. And to, to think about it, I was listening to like family worship and doing family worship. My wife and I have talked a little about this recently too, but just the, the importance of like catechizing kids and family worship is that you're giving your kids, the knowledge in which the spirit will use later to convict them. Mm. And now it's going to be the spirit's timing mm -hmm. and it, it may be sooner. It may be later and it, it could be never at all, but that you're laying the framework in which the spirit will use because God's word doesn't return void. It does what it's called to do as parents. I think believing that promise or believing that statement and doing what we need to do. This is kind of the inheritance that we train them up morally to think about it, but that moral training impacts their lives and how they deal with the inheritance, give it to them is a reflection of that. So you kind of have these mutual, 
this as the Christian life is that it's the spiritual impacts the physical and the physical impacts the spiritual. Yeah. Now with that though, what we're not saying is that one is judged for the sin of their father. Mm -hmm. It's like, because they sinned, did this now you're guilty for that. But the effect of that sin Mm -hmm. plays out, you know, and, and I, I try to use this analogy. It it may not be um, the best analogy um, because they do break down. Um, and you guys can tell me what you think if you think it's a good one or a bad one um, or poke holes in it if you want. But the debt of or or the sin of collecting a lot of debt and then leaving it for your ch- children, they aren't the one responsible for that debt. They're they're not the one that that brought about that debt. But if you've accumulated so much debt in your life and you give that to your children and now they have to come and they have to pay those things, it's affecting them, Right. So that's just an analogy. I know they can break down, but it's just the way of trying to help you understand. Like, it's not that Mm -hmm. they're guilty of the sin of their father, but that sin has now affected them and then maybe even affecting their children. Yeah. Amen. I mean, sin has consequences. It has consequences uh, against the, um, the judgment of the Lord, but there's also to everything that's a sin, there are real consequences that impact our life. Um, that is a, that it that you know it is a judgment in a sense, but not in not in the ultimate judgment after the after our physical death that everyone will experience. But it is yeah. um, consequences that impact us. My sin, my sinful choices, uh, has an impact on myself. It has an impact upon my wife. Has an impact upon my children. And um, some of the, that impact is going to be bigger than others in some situations. So yeah, I think that's a good analogy. Well, you know, and I was just thinking about as you was talking to, you, I started to think about David. And the things that he did in his life impacted his children. Mm. And when he did not correct, um, I can't remember the, the son who took his, his daughter. Absalom. Well, it wasn't Absalom. The, the other son that took the daughter and then didn't uh, Absalom yeah. kill him. Yeah. And then just the whole effect of that because of David's sin, not doing what he needed to do and correcting his children. Great example. Yeah. And then here it affects. And now it comes down to you get Solomon here. And then, yeah. I mean, just it just continues to affect them, even though they're not responsible for the sin of their father, they're responsible for their own sins, but it affected them in that whole family structure. Which is also a judgment on David for his sin yeah. Yeah. earlier with Bathsheba. And, I mean, God said, what you did in private, someone's going to do in public. Mm-hmm. Remember, your family's going to do in public, and you kind of see that play out in the rest of second Solomon, this kind of sad end of the, which I think we're to see this hope of Israel, this King he's coming. He he's, he's obedient to the Lord. He trusts the Lord. He gets the promise that he'll have a son that will never leave the throne forever. And then the next story is, David's sin, which just characterizes the rest of his, the rest of the narrative of his story, um, dashing our hopes for a savior and long, I guess for them and longing for another. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that stands out in there that you guys want to talk, talk about or touch on? I think maybe it's good. We kind of, um, skipped over it, but 20 and 21 kind of dealing with our companions. Who are we friends with? Mm. Um, 
you know, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. The companion of fools will suffer him. Disaster pursues mm -hmm. sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. And when we consider those um, ideas and to, to think about who our friends are, who are we allowing to speak in our life? I don't even think it has to be someone we may know personally. It may be entertainment mm -hmm. yeah, and other things. Who are we allowing to, to speak in our lives? Are we walking with the wise and, and then so becoming wise, seeing them and learning and accepting their reproof, watching what they do. Knowing that when we walk in our wise, kind of the, the outpouring is the righteous are rewarded with good. And when we walk with our, when we walk with the wise and we act wisely in accordance in general, our lives are more stable. Not saying bad things don't happen to us, but how there is a sense in which we're re rewarded with a good life and, and in how it is a life not maybe marked with drama and all of these issues, but it's the companion of fools that hurts us when we start in one way, walking against God's commandments, we suffer the consequences that disaster pursues us. It destroys us. Sin is destructive. And so I think just, kind of ending that what are we are we looking at the wise are we walking with the wise are we considering who who our friends are immediately but also who are we letting people who are we let speak into our lives and the words and the videos we may watch yeah we become like those we keep company with Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's, it's very, it's very important that we, we recognize that we realize that, um, and we do our best to guard from that, uh, especially with our children, you know, we want to try to guard them. I know they always, you know, children, I, I did it when I was young, my parents would make decisions, say, you can't do this or you can't do that. Or, you can't go here. And you think, why not? Why are you trying to keep me from these people? Well, there's reasons because mm -hmm we're seeing a character of these children. We don't want them to influence you. Or like you said, Mike, even the things we take in, well, we don't want you to listen to this kind of music or watch these kind of movies because of the influence that will have upon you. And so we're doing our best to try to guard and not always perfectly, but you know, um, it's important for us to think these things through so that we can apply this wisdom from the word of God uh, to keep ourselves from going the way of the fool. Yeah, we really have to be careful to distinguish the kinds of relationships we have with people. So obviously, you know, I want to befriend non-believers and I want to witness to non-believers and I want to be a testimony for the gospel in their lives. But I have to take that very seriously and be very conscious of the how how am I growing that relationship with them? Am I allowing them to become that influence over me? Because I think that can very easily happen, yeah. you know, when my right. goal may be to set out, I, I want to influence them, you know, yeah. I want to, I want to show them God's word and his truth. And, but if I'm, if I'm not guarded, if I'm not using righteousness as that guard, like we talked about earlier, uh, I could slip up very easily and myself succumb to their worldview. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point because we, we don't want to say that we just completely cut ourselves out from the world. 
mean, mm-hmm. the scripture even tells us that we don't, we don't, we can't just pull ourselves out of the world. We we need to be, and we are called to be a light shining to these individuals that are out there that are lost, shining the light of Christ to them, right? Um, who is the light of the world, and we want them to see Christ in us. So we want to be influential to them. But as you were saying there, we got to be very careful, careful that we don't then fall into those temptations mm-hmm. and become like them uh, and, and begin to enjoy the things that they like and 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 go to the places that they want to go and hang out and do these kind of things uh, that would be um, ungodly for a Christian to participate in. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And that's that's wisdom, right? Yes. That's kind of the 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 point of the book as we you know proverbs it's knowing when you can do some of this and when you can't i may listen to 90s rock because i like it but i'm not like my (laughs) kids listen to 90s rock right now but i'm also discerning like i understand that in what i mean there may be biblical themes but they're not christians you know the nihilism of Goo Goo Dolls is not something that we should, that I want my kids to be exposed to right away. Mm-hmm. And so, but I also have to think about it. Are there certain videos that I shouldn't watch because I know my proclivity to a certain sin or because they are things that would be sinful to watch. You know, you think of kind of more recently with um, Pixar's new um, Red Panda and the explosion it's had kind of, at least in the part of the Twittersphere I'm in. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think the Gospel Coalition just released an article on this. Um, I haven't watched it. I've read a little bit of it. But these are the types of things we have to think about because as Ricky said, we're, we live in this world and we partake of things in this world, but there's this discerning aspect of it that we need to consider and also consider is these things taking me away from the truth that is found in the word of God to the gathering of the local believers when you know, has the society shaped my view of church in which it's just a social thing? Or is there something spiritually that's happening that I need in my life to live in this world full of sin? Yeah. And to, to reconsider, to, to consider these things, you know, and for one person, you know, alcohol, maybe something you need to stay away from that will cause you to be drunken into sin. But some other people may not be. And so you, we each have our own ideas to think about within it. And it's the walking in the wise and having the wise counsel to be able to help make these decisions and to ground, to ground us in what is right and what is pleasing to God. And when you was talking about that, Mike, um, we also recognize that there's going to be times where we uh, fail 
right? When you were talking about the Red Panda and these these certain shows, because I remember not too long ago there was a a show. It wasn't a Disney show. It was something. Um, I don't know if it was a Nickelodeon. It was something. Uh, this Ridley Ridley Jones or something like that. And it seemed like a cute little cartoon kind of show. And we started letting our daughter watch it. And we're 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 sitting in there, so we're hearing these things. You get a few episodes in. And one of the characters is like, yeah, my dad's it had two dads. And it was like, okay, no more watching this show. Right. And so we have to be, we have, when we recognize those things, we need to be able to try to explain that to our, to your children, why mm-hmm. these things are bad. And those become good teaching. Now you want to, you want to guard them from these things, but those can become good teaching moments. One for yourself. Like, okay, maybe I should have watched that whole thing first. Um, <laughs> Because you don't know sometimes what they're going to throw into it. Maybe you watch one season of something, things go good. And the second season, they become a little more progressive, right? Um, but explaining it. And with a five-year-old, she's like, why? What's wrong with that? Why is it bad? And you're trying to explain. So those are ways that God works on us as parents in the building up and the training of our children. And hopefully that's one of those things where that's wisdom that we are inputting into them that then they will take and carry and understand at some point if, if God chooses to, in his sovereignty, bring their little hearts to, to life and take that wisdom and apply it in their lives. Yeah. I mean, you think of Thomas the Train. Like, he's like the world's laziest train ever. <laughs> and like, he gets no slack from Christian Christianity. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think we we talked about sluggards earlier and you know four or something. It, like that. Yeah. His laziness always <laughs> caused problems that he has to try to fix now. Like this isn't something good. Or you know, the Ben seem bears. Why does the father have to look like a fool like every other like sitcom? And jokingly, but these are again, I think something to think about. Mm. You know, how do things portray what our values are? Like the Benson Bears, it's a fun story. I get it. But there is a sense in which I'm like, am I like, is that, do I want my parents to think I'm kind of this foolish dad who doesn't know where to put a picnic? You know, that's just kind of <laughs> is weird. But I think, again, that's just, you know, there's times to have good, funny books and to, to laugh and, and that's good. And laughter is a joy is something God has given to us. But I does still consider what do we want our kids to listen and to read and and all of these other things. As as I found out now, being a parent, kids soak up a lot. It's sometimes baffling how much they can learn, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think that even makes it harder as kind of Christians to to think about these things and what our kids are learning and what examples are they seeing, not only in us, but in the things we watch and to do it. And, and are these, am I, am I acting the same way with my kids as I am doing kind of with my own life and what I'm guarding and what I'm reading and what I'm, mm. what I'm listening to in the same way. Again, that, you know, maybe yeah, because- a little bit strayed from kind of the, yeah. the companions, but this is everything that we're bombarded with and can easily lock in hands with same principle. It, yeah. Yeah. Same. Pr- and and, it, and it, it's showing with your children too. It's, it's do as I, I say, not as I do. And so when it's speaking about he and command, you know, fools, like you're teaching them, you're, 
you're saying don't do these things that I'm doing because it's not good, but huh. yet they see you doing it. You know what I mean? What does that really uh, impart to them? You know what I mean? Well, we've kind of gone over about a half hour. Um, Tim, we're going to leave you with the last word. Any thoughts on the on the Proverbs here? Anything that you want to touch on or any, any last thoughts, man? I mean, it's just obviously overflowing with such, such an amount of, of wisdom. And it's amazing how as you read through each verse, which is a unique uh, nugget of, of some kind of wisdom aspect, but it plays back into each each piece almost builds upon a piece before it. Like we're talking about, you know, we jump back like six verses and say, oh, well, we're talking about contentment again and the and and the hopes being desired or, or unfulfilled. Um, but it all goes back to exercising, being deliberate about your actions, being deliberate about your words, like we talked about at the beginning, being deliberate about what you choose to place your hope into, being deliberate intentional about how you raise your children being deliberate and intentional about um how yeah how, how you raise your children and then who you spend time with because all of it matters you know there's there's the shows we watch the words we say the words we choose not to say everything is either impacting ourselves or has an impact on something else so in all things we need to exercise this wisdom and we know that wisdom comes from God and God has given us his word to learn his wisdom. So that's it. Uh, right, thanks for having amen. me on, guys. This has been fun. I, yeah. I've been thrilled to, to be a part of it tonight. Well, we appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your input here as we look at Proverbs. We pray this was edifying and encouraging to you, the listener. Uh, email us at g220radio at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, that's been G220 Radio for tonight. Until next time, God bless.